It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff. Folks, Black Star Network is this. Hold no punches. I'm real uh, revolutionary right now. Support this man, Black Media. He makes sure that our stories are told. I thank you for being the voice of Black America, Rollins. I love y'all. All momentum we have now. We have to keep this going. The video looks phenomenal. See, there's a difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be scared. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig?
Today is Monday, July 25th, 2022. Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. We are live at the Jackie Robinson Foundation, folks. They are unveiling this week, uh, tomorrow, the Jackie Robinson Museum tonight as a big event for their donors and others. And so we're going to break it all down for you, folks, uh, on uh, today's show. Uh, that and more right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. Hey, folks, we are here in New York City for the opening of the Jackie Robinson Museum. This has been something uh, that his family and the foundation, they have been wanting to do for a number of years. Y'all remember, we were here for the groundbreaking. Uh, we covered that when I was on TV One. COVID hit. It got delayed. But uh, this week, they are opening the museum. It is a fantastic space. Tonight, uh, they have a sneak preview for their donors and board members and invited uh, guests. One of those folks, uh, baseball aficionado, uh, Mr. New York himself, uh, Spike Lee. So he was, he was, he was in the reception. I said, Spike, I'm doing my show live. I said, you want to step back? He's like, he said, when? I was like, well, going live now. We can do it now. Let's go. So he up the top. What's up, man? What's up, baby? All good, Doc. It's always good to see you. Indeed, man. Good and to and see congratulations. you. Congratulations. You're doing your thing, man. Man, I appreciate and, it. And like, you're putting your money behind it, too. So that's, that's, do your thing, man. Hey, man, it's going great. It's, so, so we were sitting here talking, and so Spike said, so he, he said, so you can be at the ribbon, ribbon cutting tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, we covered it live. Yeah, you did. And then we'll be, then we'll be live uh, tomorrow night from the gala. The gala. We'll be live from the uh, block party on Wednesday. Woo. That's what happens when you own. You don't have to ask anybody for, for permission, which you know very well. Well, I know that it's you someplace they tell you you can't bring your camera in. Go, I know that. <laughs> well, that, well, that's happened. Well, he's he's that's happened. That, but the camera got in. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for the cinematic on the iPhone. Woo. <laughs> I just, again, I know I sound like a broken record, but you're doing your thing. You've been doing it and continue to do it because we need you. Man, I appreciate There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it. And you spread the word. You know, you're not just putting stuff in your back pocket. You're like, boom, check this out. That's the only way. That's the only way. Well, that's the only way for you, but it's about <laughs> I can't talk about some other well, people. Well, you know, hey, I can only speak for me. There you go. I only speak for me. And I appreciate you for doing man, that. Man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, you, it. And also, I'm not done yet. Go ahead. You've been putting the work in for years. Just I know Johnny come. <laughs> Soul train. Now you've been <laughs> You've been here. Yes, sir. You're gonna be here. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's it. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
course, we had your wife on about a week ago yeah. for a documentary. Uh, so glad to see the uh, things that it's she's It's blowing doing. up, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, of course, and I, I was last here in New York for, for your Kaepernick documentary. I yeah, appreciate calling me, including me on that. You, you, so, you so, were laying down the, the knowledge, wisdom, <laughs> some science, science to back that up. You know, you asked me a question, I'm going to answer it. They may not that's like what, the answer. That's why I, I need you in this. I need you in this. Well, that was it there. Man, let's talk about um, 42? this brother here. Mm -hmm. So I was talking to um, a couple of my guys before. So they have a statue out there of him in his football uniform. Mm -hmm. And so uh, Anthony, he goes, who's that? I'm like, dude, Jack Robinson. I said, baseball was his weakest sport. He was a greater football player, track player, than he was baseball. Yeah. That's how bad this brother was. It's a bad brother. <laughs> <laughs> bad brother. And people, I mean, a lot of people, not a lot of people, we still don't fully understand. He, Jackie, along with Branch Rickey, changed America. And people understand that Jackie was 53 years old when he died. Yep. I mean, if you see him at the, his hair. I'm is, 53. Well, you're good. But no, but to your point. Yeah, 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 yeah. His hair was white as snow. And those years where he made that deal yep. with Branch Rickey that he had to keep it in, no matter how, how many times they spiked him, no pun intended, through his head, yep. the, the insults, the death threats. And you have to, when you have to keep that in. Doc. That's it, but think about it. He sacrificed his life because he, he knew the first time <laughs> it was over. He knew the first time he retaliated, that'd have been it. And the thing, the thing that people don't understand, and and I really wish TNT would reissue um, the movie. Andre Brower played him in the court martial of Jackie Robinson. Mm -hmm. I cannot find a thing on DVD. Maybe there's a VHS copy. What people don't understand, Jack Robinson didn't take no stuff off of people. This this was not a weak, meek brother. And that was that was before Rosa Parks. It was in Texas. Yeah. They they Fox. said, we're gonna court martial you. He said, let's go to trial. And he he risked being getting a dishonorable discharge because he said, No, I'm not he said, I'm not sitting in the back of the bus. He said, not wearing his uniform. But and so you take that Man, defiance and and what he did in baseball to hold that in, because that was not his natural instinct. There's a, I, I read that Rachel said that when Jackie would come home, that blow of steam, he'd get a, a bucket of golf balls. They were white. <laughs> and just whack, 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 <laughs> whack. <laughs> the biggest thing he can get. But he sacrificed. He was 53. I'm yep. 65. 53. Di diabetes. You're 53. I'm 65. Yep. Diabetes racked his body. Um, all, all of that. I mean, that, I mean and, and that's the thing. And I tell people all the time, you know, when we talk about the Kaepernick documentary, um, I, I love when all these people were talking about how dare he kneel. And, I, and they, they would bring up black soldiers. I'm, oh, I said, y'all clearly didn't read Jackie's book. Mm -hmm. He said in his book, he said, I will not salute that flag and stand for that song yeah. because of what he had to endure. And this was what was amazing, why his book was called Never Had It Made. He said, because if there is one black person who is not free, none of us are free. Yeah, he was... Uh...
saint. We could say that. Jackie's a saint. And so people in Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn, we have so much love. I mean, Jackie played for the Brooklyn Dodgers. Then you got Campanella, Don Newcomb, Joe Black, Jim Good. Well, see, I want to pick up on that because I, I've, I've, I've talked about this in many of my speeches. We, and we rightfully, we rightfully celebrate Jackie Robinson. Mm. But I keep trying to explain to people, it was only called the major leagues because white folks had the money. Right. The major league talent was in the Negro Leagues. So, my daughter's named after Satchel Paige. Really? Yeah, her name is Satchel. Okay. I mean, that's where the talent was. But here's another thing, though, is that, and there's, there's a lot of correlation between Joe Lewis. When Joe Lewis was fighting, Black folks were around that radio. And the same thing with Jackie. Even if you weren't a Brooklyn Dodger fan, anyway, listen to the game and they would say, how did Jackie do? Right. Because we knew the entire race. Can you imagine that? Where the entire race is on your shoulders. And if you don't come through, that's going to put us back 10, 20 years. Right. Just that pressure alone could take years off your life. And for people who don't quite understand, Dr. King talked about this, when they, people would question him about Sidney Portier dying care, and he would say, no, 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 no. We don't, I don't need them at the march because they are serving a purpose for what they're doing on the small screen and the big screen. But also, don't leave for Harry Belafonte. Right, right, right. But Belafonte. he was... It was with the criticism, yeah, yeah. like, because they would say, well, we see Harry, we see Dick. Why are we seeing them? And he would go, no, 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 hold up. They are serving a purpose in the roles that they're playing, but they also didn't realize the fundraisers they were having at their apartments for the but, movement. But also... And Jackie was a huge fundraiser for the movement. Listen, this though. You can't leave out Paul Newman. Uh, James Garner. James Garner. Um... What's Peter Lawford. What's the man who's the Peter Lawford. Uh, Bennett. Tony Bennett. Harry Belafonte said. Marlon Brando. Yep. So it was Harry yep. Belafonte. And Sydney that was bringing yep. the progressive white Hollywood. Right. Diane Carroll was holding fundraisers at her apartments in New York. Yeah. Jackie Robinson, again, if people you haven't read his book, what he, the fundraising that he did for the NAACP. I mean, he traveled around the country, and he didn't hold his tongue because he did not have a lot of good things to say about uh, uh, Roy Wilkins, who ran the NAACP. And, he, and, and again, this was a brother who was willing to criticize black folks, willing to criticize white folks. His whole deal was going after the liberation of black people. But I have to bring this up. He did, he did feel very apologetic for one person to criticize. Paul Robeson. Paul Robeson. The un, he testified before the Un-American Act, and that. Uh, now, here's what's interesting. I had Della on my show, Della, who runs Foundation, and that came up. And in fact, someone uh, is working on a documentary about that hearing. Mm -hmm. And what she said to me was, she said, if people go back and actually look at the testimony, he spent a small amount of time on Robeson. But. But even well, that it wasn't small enough that he, he right he apolog he said yeah. that that's one he could take back yep. so it wasn't could yep. be that small yep yep but that for me it is so 
I mean, you notice. Booker T, Du Bois. We get to these things where it's like. Well, you you went through that. No, you know you went through it. Leave me out of this. No, no, you went through it. But y'all sat down. No, I tell you the story. You and Tyler. I called him up. I said, I'm gonna get on the plane. I said, I need to come down there. I'm gonna get on the plane. He said, Spike, come down. Went, gave me the tour of the mansion. <laughs> The first one, <laughs> not the new one. Yeah, not the new one. And later on, when he named one of the stages for him. Yep. But I saw that it was, it was, it was getting out of hand. It was like spikes from the north. And but I was right. born in Atlanta. I went to Morehouse. My father went to Morehouse. My grandpa went to Morehouse. My mother and grandmother went to Spelman. So I got southern roots, you know. But it, it, it was, it was. Great, that town. We squashed that. Right. We 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 squashed it. No, he told me. Yeah, it was squashed. But see, that's why when I interviewed Maddie Rich. What'd you say? When I interviewed Maddie Rich. Yeah, yeah. And he was sitting there, and I was like, "Y'all hadn't talked." And he told me, I was like, "Now I was glad you answered." Mm -hmm. And I was, and because I, I was just again, that's one of those things that yeah. my whole deal is. Hey, I know him. I know you. Yeah. And. You know, and his people hit me. He said, uh, he said, yeah, he said, he got all the information. They haven't connected yet. I said, but that's the thing. That's what two men, mm -hmm. hey. Brothers. Two brothers. Let's sit down. Brother, brother. And chop this thing up. Chop it up. Chop it up. And chop so up. Th th that, th that, that's what's important. That's yeah. what's important. Yeah. When you, when you think about this um, museum and when people come through the, I think what's going to be so awesome they're going to realize this man was way more than a baseball player. Chocolate nuts. <laughs> See, for somebody watching, they're like, what the hell are you talking about nuts? It's a coffee company. Came out of New York, and uh, Jackie, he was thinking about He knew he was not going to play baseball forever. And he was like a 28, 27, 28-year-old rookie. So he was seeing beyond. Yep. He knew it was more than. Then he got what bank did he get involved in? In Harlem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, Black Bank. Yeah, Black Bank. So he 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 was a visionary. I, I just visionary. that that's where that's where I, I I hope people when when we think about athletes that we look at them not just through the prism of when they play. That they that that the things that they do that go way beyond that. Uh, same thing whether we're talking about actors, whether we're talking about you know Sam Jackson isn't just an actor. Denzel isn't just an actor. I mean, there's things that they are they're they're more than that. And of course, people where, learn. Where does Sam Jackson go to college? <sighs> that house. He went to more house. <laughs> Okay, went to Morehouse. All right, all right. All right. Come on, man. I, gotta, I, gotta... I know you got a rep. We're on a black thing right now, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, we're in the Jackie, we're in the Jackie Robinson Museum. We're in our black thing right here. Right, but he went to UCLA. But I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs>
wait, 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 was was Jackie friends with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.? Yeah, he was. Where did he go to school? Uh, with the Boston University. Undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. See? For the blood thing, baby. <laughs> he went to the house. He went to the house. Uh -huh. He went to the house. And also, Marty and I, Martin Luther King III, were classmates. Okay. Class 39. And my father was a freshman. Dr. King was a senior. Mm. Did they, they cross paths when he was there? Yeah, everybody knew who he was. Gotcha. I mean, he was... They knew. I'm still trying to figure out the professor who gave him a C in preaching. Hater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to figure that one out. That one out. Who gave Dr. King a C in preaching? I don't know what they were thinking. What's the um, now? Let me tell you something. So when I got my, um, of course, if y'all saw it, do the right thing. Of course, Spike was rocking the uh, Jackie Robinson jersey. And and you make it perfectly clear to people, don't be walking around with no Jackie Robinson Dodgers jersey with his name on the back. Well... He didn't have his name on the back. I know. But people going to see right. this... People going people gonna, people gonna to see this movie who nothing about... So it was helping people who did not know right. Jackie. Right. But I I knew that that that, I mean I got a Jackie Robinson jersey, so right. I knew that. Right. The Before too, yeah, and yeah. the fact the Houston Astros sent me, and it's, I actually did have several people. I saw the mayor of Houston, Sylvester Turner, mm -hmm. and he had a, a forty-two with his name on the back. They sent me an Astros jersey. You know, obviously, yeah. uh, all all the, Major League Baseball, all the forty-two is retired across all teams, and they sent me a, a forty-two jersey. Yeah. And they put my name on it, mm -hmm. but I won't wear it. I, I My deal is, I you told him, frame I, said, though, right? I said, huh? You got a frame though, right? Yeah, but I, I got to hang it up. Yeah, no, you got yeah, a frame, yeah, right? But I won't, but I won't wear it. So my deal is, I'm, I'm going to get me one, mm -hmm. but I don't want my name on it. It's his number. Cool. And that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah. And so I, I would hope, but you know, and it, now, and look, we've been a hardcore Astros fans, Yankees fan. Um, hardcore. Now I'm going to tell y'all right now, if the Astros and the Yankees face each other in the playoffs, I'm telling you right now, we go go we go we gonna go to a game together. He gonna be decked in all his Yankee stuff, but I'm gonna have so much Astros blue and orange on. He gonna think I'm a Knicks fan. <laughs> <laughs> What's with this train that goes in the out? What is that? Oh, that actually is a that's a throwback to the Astrodome, when the Houston Astrodome, mm -hmm. eighth one of the world, when it opened, mm -hmm. whenever they would hit. Uh, a home run, uh, the scoreboard would light up, and they had a train that was going. So that's, that's, that's a sort of a throwback to the Astrodome. The first time, this is a good story. 1968, the Astrodome. My father told my mother, my late mother, Spike could stay up to watch the game. UCLA. Oh, Houston. University of Houston. 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 Louis Alcindor, Elvin Hayes. And Alcindor, he got poked earlier, so he had to play that game with one eye. And the, it's the Cougars, right? Yep. They destroyed the Bruins. But they met in the semifinals. 
and brother Lord Sender from Harlem, <laughs> Uptown. They did a job on her, but that at that time, that was like the biggest yeah. college. It wasn't. It's still regular season. It was the biggest college yeah. game ever. And I pleaded. I said, my mother said, you have to go to school tomorrow. And my father called my, my you said Jim, G E M, Jim. He's watching game with me. <laughs> I was tired in the morning in school, <laughs> but I'm glad he let me. I remember that game, 68, 68, I was 11 years old. Um, so that had to be, was that a fall game? Was, was, like, was that, so if that was, if that was a regular season. The regular season. That had to be like September, October, November. No, they don't, college basketball doesn't start until after like Thanksgiving. Okay, which means that I think I was probably two weeks old. Mm. I was born November, November 14, 68. You were so I was here when the game got played. <laughs> Man, let me see my phone. Let me see the actual date. Let me see the actual date of this game. Here's my phone. Let me see my. Let me see. I remember that. Let me game. see when that game was actually played. Uh, let's see. And it had like, see the tens that game. That that thing was, what, sixty thousand people. Well, that's what put in the mind of the NCAA uh, when they decided to go to uh, March Madness in um, stadiums. Yeah, they harken back to that. Uh, let's see. Yeah, don't UCLA's get a bad seat, first season. You have to watch the no, Jumbo Trump. No, I wouldn't even conceive yet. I was, the game was January 20th, 1968. Uh-huh. My mom and daddy probably had sex on Valentine's hey, Day. Hey, 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 no. hey, no. No. <laughs> I was born November 14th. It's literally nine months. My brother born November 13th, 67. So both of us say we Valentine's Day babies. <laughs> 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 and his son... Born November 10th. There you go. No, 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 uh, no, Chris, November 12th. So I'm like, yeah, y'all were, val- y'all, y'all were having a little fun Valentine's Day too. <laughs> you always wanted to, you always wanted to do a Jackie Robinson movie. I'll tell you the story. Uh, first of all, deep respect our brother Chadwick. So yes, this, this, this is great brother. This is nothing to do with him because yep. I was. Yep. He probably he was probably still at Howard. Yep. And my version of Jackie Robinson, I wanted to tell a life story. I did not just want to concentrate on 1947 because mm-hmm. I don't think I thought that. I still think that that he was more. That was more than. Yeah. He had a life before 47. He lived life after 47. Yeah. I really wanted to show the scope and a depth of the man. And the same reason why Malcolm X. Right. You know, and that's why I got, you know, conflict with the studio. Malcolm, he was evolving. Yep. And you need to show those different phases of his life. Yep. You can't do that in two hours. Right. And the people are dealing with, with the Jackie Robinson, you know, they don't want to do it so didn't happen. Would you still do it today? Or is it or is it time gone past? I don't think it's past. Also I wanted Denzel to play Jackie. But he Jack Denzel said he was too old at the time. Well see now he would have to play the older the older Jackie. <laughs> yeah. So you had to find a younger His cat. son. You had to John David. 
You know, he played football at Morehouse. I know. And that would, that would be interesting. Yeah. John David as the... I do want to, I mean, I want, you, I want both of them. <laughs> but they were in a film together already. Malcolm X. John David is one of those kids at the end that says, is in the classroom. Right. My name is Malcolm X. Really? That was his debut. Wow. Did not know that. Very few people know that. Did not know I that. I would love to do something with Denzel and his son, John David. Mm. Have you talked about it? No. <laughs> do, do I need to John talk? David knows about it, but not D. Do I need to call Paletta? <laughs> no. See, that, 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 that's how I get to Denzel. <laughs> See, that's, that's the only way. See that that that's why I, that's why I always speak to the wives. I speak to the or the women. I speak to the husband because like Viola, I just, I, I I call Julius. Mm -hmm. See, yeah. I, I, other cats just like and how, and how you get in touch with Samuel Jackson? Oh, I hit Sam, but I met his wife first. Matter of yeah. fact, I met his wife and Pauletta first, and they were like, "Oh my God, bro, we love you." And I was like, "Well, I'm sure appreciate that." <laughs> and so that so so you got the end. That's right. You never could see. It's like I got the Fred Gray interview. I called Fred. I called. I left the message. And his wife, I heard the message. She said, he, he said, I get all these interviews. She said, no, no, you doing that one. Mm. She says, you're going to do that interview with Roland Martin. Mm. And when I went down to, to um, Alabama to do it, uh, his wife and uh, the daughter was there watching the interview. I gave him a shout out. I was like, y'all made that happen. She's like, mm -hmm, he doing his interview. <laughs> See? So yeah, I, that, I always, I don't even know the wives. Mm -hmm. I don't even know the wives or, or, or the husband. I always talk to them. You, um, you were just talking about um, when you mentioned uh, uh, Malcolm X. Yeah. And then I thought about uh, you told me with Harry Belafonte when he told you Man, why you keep calling Ossie and putting him in movies? You won't never call me. He says, Ossie can sit one hour. <laughs> and then we made the call for Black Lives Matter. Woo! How, how old is Harry? 95. Turned 95 this year. We got to give a love shout out to Rachel. Yeah, she just had 100 a last week. Just had a birthday. 100 last week. Looking sprightly out there. Just saw they. Just they, saw her. Just saw her, absolutely. The queen. Rachel, one hunt. My grandma lived to be 100 years old. Wow. She put me through Morehouse and Spelman. I'm just going, she put me through. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Morehouse and NYU. No, no, he's, no, no. <laughs> he's spoke right. <laughs> Are you trying to say <laughs> that's a Freudian slip? He, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Probably spend more time at Spelman than at Morehouse, uh-huh. <laughs> No, that's not true. <laughs> There's a line. What kind of TV is this? You can say it's my show. It's, it's called Roland Martin Unfiltered. Oh, well, well, I want to know what you're It's called Roland Martin Unfiltered. Okay. There's a line in school days where Jean-Carl Esposito, who plays Big Real Mighty, and I play the character Half Pine, he says, Half Pine, you ain't seen no pause! <laughs> <laughs> that was me. So, so don't that, was, that was your part. That was me. <laughs> no parts. <laughs> so that's when that's when you were just Spike Lee. You weren't Spike. Well, my mother gave me that nickname. Really? Yeah.
What's your actual name? Shelton Jackson Lee. Shelton Jackson Lee. Yes. But your mama called you Spike. Spike. Where'd it come from? Why? She said I was a tough baby. <laughs> she said, you are spiking my wound. <laughs> but uh, those are really some of the best four years of my life. I had... There were trials and tribulations, but my mother said, I'm giving Morehouse my baby, and I'm going to get back a Morehouse man. Send the baby, came back, came back a man. Yes. And you've been running ever since. Well, I've been blessed. But it's a lot of hard work. Oh, yeah. But uh, just blessed and uh, got to keep going. Got to keep it going. You know, that's what we do. You know, the thing that... I'm not getting trouble for that thing, right? No, uh, no, no, absolutely not. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. Absolutely not. Well, the crew, the crew... They wanted to laugh. <laughs> was that funny? Boy, you, you, those, everybody who saw school days, we all know it's funny. We all know it's funny. We all know it's funny. Absolutely. Oh, first of all, I see the night. Okay, let me explain something, y'all. So I sit down for the interview uh, for the cabinet, and the first thing is probably goes, where your Jordans? I said, man, I ain't never owned no Jordans. He's like, oh, I got to see you some Jordans. I was like, look, Who I got you? ten and a half. All right. I said, I got sent these shoes, and I wear them. I said, the Texas and the football team gave me some, uh, they had Adidas. They gave them to me. I wear them. Um, Give I, me your address. I, I said, a black, uh, I'll send it to you. 
We've had some black-owned athletic shoe companies on the show. They said to me, I wear them. I was like, hey, Mike ain't sent me none. <laughs> I said, I wear the shoes for nah, free. No, don't, don't take that. Put that on me. Don't put that on money. No, 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 no. I know. Oh. No, because when you asked me that, oh, yeah. I was like, hey, Mike ain't sent me no shoes. I said, Mike ain't sent me no shoes. <laughs> but I do. I did win a pair of the initial Air Jordan golf shoes yeah. years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, did, I do have the Air Jordan golf shoes. Golf shoes. Have you ever had Mike on your show? I have not. Would love to do it. You reach out to him? I I last saw him at the F1 race in Miami. Yeah. Uh, we we've never never exchanged them. Now he, now he knows who I am. Yeah, He's yeah. spoken everything. Mm -hmm. But I would love I would love to sit down and have a conversation with him. Would love to. Love to. Now, I know Fred Whitfield. Yeah. Who's on his team? Now, how's your golf game? Well, I played yesterday in my man Wendell Hassel's original T Golf Classic. Yeah. Uh, so we had a team. We shot one under. Uh, but the uh, handicap six point five. Can you hang money on the golf? Mike Mike is probably better than me, but he played way more than me. Plays every day. That's my point. That's <laughs> on, my his own, on his own golf wait, course. Wait a minute, him 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 and uh, Ahmad. him and Ahmad. Yeah. Him and Ahmad. Uh, Ahmad did tell Ahmad we played uh, in the Jeffrey Osborne Golf Classic, and Ahmad was like, he said, "Ro, he said, if you play golf a little bit more, he said, you gonna be you be dangerous." He said, "Were well, you swinging?" He said, "I said, Amon, I got to work. You don't got the time." I said, "Amon, I said you seventy-two and retired, Amon." I said, "I, I, I said, I'm raised like." He said, like, "Yeah, you're right." I said, "You," I said, "Come on, you chilling every day." You're better. You could. You better than Barkley. I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's a yes. <laughs> Your swing is better than that, though, right? Ladies and gentlemen, what does that face say? That face says, I'm about to cuss Mike Lee out. Ah! <laughs> Man, please. Barkley don't want no part. No parts, huh? He don't want no parts of me. I was texting Charles the other day, but Charles don't want no part of me. Mm -mm. He don't want no. Trust me. You see my swing, you like, yeah, that ain't Charles swing. Matter of fact, let me go. Who, let me see. Who is this here? Okay, that's my brother right there. Let me. We played golf the other day. Man, let me. You ever played golf in Mars Vineyard? Uh, yeah. I ain't. What? Uh, what? Golf course. Uh, I played. Farm Neck? I played Farm Neck. I played the what's the, the new one? All the rich folks built. You didn't uh, see my house. I, I, I played. I saw your house. Yeah. I well, saw your crib. Well, and what? 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 You see a flag? I saw. I saw all that. <laughs> what flag did you see? I saw what your forty acres in the no, no. Your, no your 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 embassy of Brooklyn. No. What flag is it? It's the first of all. I ain't been there in a while. The interlocks with the Y. Oh, see, so ain't been there in a while. <laughs> I ain't been, there, been in there in a while. No, it's been a long time since I've been there. Because everybody keeps telling me, they're like, uh, man, watch come off. I said, first of all, it's too hard to get to Martha's Vineyard. That's first. Two, I ain't trying to see nobody I know. Like, if, I, if I'm on vacation, I don't want to see nobody I know. Well, you definitely want to go to Martha's Vineyard in August. No. <laughs> I don't want to go to no fundraisers. I don't want to, don't, don't ask me about no money. I ain't trying to do none of that. So, yeah, they, they, it's... So it's, where do you go? When, yeah, yeah. Hey, Doc. So, again, this, just so you know, Charles Barkley wishes he had this golf swing. Oh, you left hand, huh? Barkley wishes he had this golf swing. Ooh, good swing. He, he ain't got that. He ain't got that. It was windy, too, huh? Oh, yeah. Where was that? That was uh, Lansdowne in Virginia. Virginia? Yeah. But, I, I, you know, I'm a golf to ball. I'm, I'm, How long you been golfing? Took us my PE Texas A&M since 1987.
One of the best decisions ever made. You need four credit hours of PE. You're in class. All the other players. The brother's like, man, look, I'm going to take basketball. Give me an easy grade. I'm like, hell, I'm not playing basketball. So my brother was here before me. He took golf. I said, I'm going to take golf, too. I, one of the best decisions ever. That's how connected with Sam. Yeah. Most cats I've connected with, it was, it was through golf. Mm-hmm. It was through golf. Sam's good golf, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sam, 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 golf is ball. Mm-hmm. When he stopped doing his own stuff, he injured himself. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a chance to uh, play around together uh, at his club in L.A. So uh, who, else, who else is a good golfer? Uh, let's see here. Man, so Ray Allen's good. Of, oh, Ray Allen can play. Have not played Ray Allen. Uh, Steph and I text. Yeah, he, uh, he, 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 he can golf his ball. Uh-huh. Steph can golf his ball. How's um, Obama? I'll game? play. How's Obama's You game? know, hold up. So here's the deal. I ain't never played with Obama. For eight years, he kept saying, Roland going to go out and play. And I'm like, bruh, eight years. You don't want to go to Mars Vineyard. I, no, he was playing at Andrews Air Force Base. I was like, bruh, what's up? He called everybody else, and he left-handed. I'm like, what's the deal? What's the deal, B.O.? What'd you say about him? Huh? Well, you know. <laughs> you forgot about that. No, I ain't forget. I ain't forget. Why you say what's up then? I ain't forget. You know what's no, up. No, no, you no. know what's up. No, no. But that's also, but that's also the role I played to get him get elected. See, here's, see, here's, here's what I tell everybody. This, this, my, this has literally been my journalistic philosophy. This is a game plan? If you do good, mm-hmm. I'll talk about you. Mm-hmm. If you do bad, I'll talk about you. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, I'm going to talk about you. My role is not to be your cheerleader. Mm-hmm. My role is to speak truth for black people. And where I critiqued him, I went hard. And that's the deal. And yeah. so you ever hear from him after that? I mean, we when he was when he was in when he was in the White House, you know, they would they, they would invite me, you know, when he'd do the anchor meeting and stuff like that. And I ain't never get invited to the birthday party and stuff like that. Well, that's fine. Because, see, my, my whole deal is... You get to invite I, the, the, the thing in Marlon's Vineyard? Oh, no, no, no. Hell no. Why not? I ain't get none of that. Come on now. I ain't get none of that. <laughs> I ain't get none of that. No, and, and I really... I, and I do. I really think it's because I, I am going to do what I do. And so, here's the piece. If that means I don't get invited and stuff like that, I'm good. My, the, role that I, the role that I play as a journalist and speaking truth for black America... It has to be said. Mm-hmm. And so that means that you're not going to kick it with some folks. And I'm good with that. I'm cool. I mean, other people, they're like, oh, my God. And I bother. I'm like, no. I'm like, nobody has to invite me to anything. Nobody has to be, you know, if it's like, oh, so-and-so had, uh, uh, had a surprise birthday party. Rolling, you didn't go? I was like, yeah. I said, I don't. I said, I got a great life. I'm good. Mm-hmm. But, when I, but, 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 but when that light come on and we go live, Sometimes I got to hit you, and everything ain't going to be all peaches and cream. Mm-hmm. And so I hit him a few times. The left and the right? Left, right, <laughs> with a left coming back. But We talking Mike Tyson here, too? But it, I mean, not Mike, I mean not, not Mike Tyson. Riddick Bowe? I mean. Riddick Bowe? More like Larry Holmes. <laughs> you know, Larry had a great jab. <laughs> so, you know, but, the, but, the, but that was the deal. It, it, it. You know, that was a piece. It, 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 things need to be said, and, and I still stand on it. I mean, my, my biggest deal is I feel strongly he should have appointed a black woman to the Supreme Court when he picked Merrick Garland. And I was like, and I said, and I went hard on that. And I'm like, sorry. And so people are like, yo, man, why'd you go so hard? And I'm like, look, that's it. 
I mean, my, my deal is, when you talk about legacy, when you talk about legacy, look, you know, it ain't like you being, you know, Mr. Chill, ain't never gave your opinion on stuff. You know, you got crossed off a whole bunch of lists. Don't even act like, don't even act like this is a foreign conversation. Don't even act like this is a foreign conversation. You right, you right, you right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely, you know I'm right. Just keep stepping, all right? That's it. Keep That's stepping. That's it. And it, when you know... When you when you know that you're walking in truth, when you know it's not personal, mm -hmm. it's not petty, mm -hmm. it's not envy, it's not jealousy, and you speaking truth, and some folks they disagree, we cool, we can disagree. I'm good with that. Yeah. But I'm a swing. Like Always. The defenses. Always. Aaron Judge. No. <laughs> No. You fell into that one. No, right? I didn't. Who's, jo leading, who's jo leading Major League's no, home runs? No, I didn't. Josh Gibson. But I'm going to swing like Altuve. You ain't going to see it coming. <laughs> yeah. We ain't got them things. I'm going to see it like. Yeah, we got the thing over here see, so with, the, with the buzz. Why you stopping the guys trying to tear his jersey I, I, off? See, I don't know why Spike going there because, you know. You brought it up. We can talk, talk about y'all letter. What letter? Oh, the, the letter Major League Baseball sent y'all. That y'all went to court to keep uh, from going public. They became public. I never heard about this. Okay, shall we go to uh, <laughs> shall, we, shall, shall we go to Google to discuss? We're going to commercial. <laughs> oh, we're going to commercial. Spike got to get back to the reception now. See? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a break. <laughs> <laughs> With that, maybe I always good to see Low, you, man. Hook, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank I appreciate you, it. Thank you, thank we are going to a break. Rolling Martin Unfiltered, live from the Jackie Robinson Foundation for the Oakland Jackie Robinson Museum. You're on the Black Star Network. Back in a moment. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, you see the headlines. All frightening, right? Interest rates are going up. The recession is on the way. The stock market is up and down. But you know what they say. Scared money? Don't make money. That's why I'm excited on our next Get Wealthy to have a conversation with someone who has written a new book, Fearless Finances, and she's going to share exactly what you need to do to secure your bag, regardless of the ups and downs of the economy or the stock market. Oftentimes you can start with as little as $5. That's right here, only on Get Wealthy on Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. What's up, y'all? I'm Will Packard. Everybody, it's your man, Fred Hammond. Hi, my name is Brisha Webb, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Ow. Well, I like a nice filter usually, but we can be unfiltered. All right. All right, y'all. Welcome back to Roland Martin Unfiltered here uh, at the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Uh, that was, again, that was totally unplanned. Uh, literally, I ran into Spike, and so glad he could spend some time with us to, to kick off our coverage, opening the Jackie Robinson Museum. Let me bring in my panel right now. 
Uh, Dr. Julian Malbo, Dean of the College of Ethnic Studies, California State University, Los Angeles. Dr. Amakongo Dabinga, Professorial Lecturer, School of International Service, American University. And Renita Shannon, she is a Georgia State representative. Uh, glad to have uh, all three of y'all here. Uh, that was uh, that was a wild, too much fun. Uh, we I think we pretty much covered every damn thing uh, in that interview there. Uh, but, uh, Julian, I'll start with you since you're there uh, in Los Angeles. I, I really do hope um, people with this museum um, really take the time to truly understand the depths of who Jackie Robinson was. Uh, and, and last week, of course, the, the All-Star Game that took place uh, in Los Angeles. Um, and that's where, um, of course, uh, the Dodgers... Uh, and that was a big salute to him. Uh, Denzel Washington did the salute. It was a, all the different things surrounding that. Rachel Robinson was there as well. Uh, but but this man really, really uh, did far more for black people in America than just yes. play sports. You know, Roland, first of all, I enjoyed watching y'all. Y'all silly. Um, and when you got, got annoyed with Spike because <laughs> he said Morehouse, I thought about you and your you-know-what behind always calling out for somebody's daddy. So he just got you back, that's all. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure to watch. Y'all were, were really quite amusing. and But more importantly, substantive. And when you think about Jackie Robinson, I think that, as you all said, it's not just baseball. It's so many more things in terms of the civil rights movement, the fundraising that he did for the NAACP and others. And I think that... Um, you know, maybe y'all put it in a little bit of context, but I think the only thing that I had a huge problem with Jackie Robinson about was his cooperation with the House American Committee and his testimony against Paul Robeson. And even if it was just two minutes worth of testimony, it was unnecessary. You all started out the interview talking about brothers who had fun with each other and how you all were able to smooth it over by being a man, by doing that. And I, I got that. But that that was just... A, Paul Robeson, America broke... Paul Robeson. They broke him. And they broke him because too many black people cooperated with them. So, bad respect for Jackie Robinson, but that, if, from my perspective, is a blemish on his record. Well, yeah. And look, the reality is, uh, Omicongo, we go through this world, and there are things that we do that are great. There are things that we do that uh, we wish we could take back, but it's a reality uh, of life. And I think if we look at the totality of who he was, um, and, and that, you know, we can say, hey, that was one instance where we wish Jackie Robinson uh, did not speak against Paul Robeson, knowing full well what uh, the American government was trying to do to him. Uh, but when you just look at uh, how fierce he was in his criticism of Richard Nixon, of Barry Goldwater, uh, of the Republican Party. And again, you read his book, I mean, he didn't hold his tongue uh, uh, against anybody. And as I said to Spike, including Roy Wilkins, who ran the NAACP. Yeah. You, you and Jackie was out problem. raising money for the NAACP. <laughs> No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, the segment was powerful. I mean, I just felt like I was in class. I, mean, I forgot we were doing the show. I'm like, wow. Like, the things we picked up. You know, for me, growing up, y you both were absolutely right in terms of when I was growing up and learning history, there was always, like, this faction, you know, Dr. King and Malcolm X, and, you know, the list goes on and on. And Jackie Robinson, as I was 
as a kid, not learning from, like, my parents, but just, like, conversations on the street, people would, you know, kind of paint him as, like, this guy who kind of sold out. And it wasn't until I started getting older, reading my own history, learning stuff, that I learned about the complexities of this man. And I'm still learning. You know, when I see quotations like Dr. King calling him a freedom writer before they were freedom writers. And, you know, so much history and context there. And what you mentioned earlier about the support of the black banks, you know, something I didn't learn until this year, right? And we owe this to our ancestors and the people who came before us. We owe this to the Rachel Robinsons, who are still here, who went through that with him side by side. Because if we don't do that, we're going to repeat that history. I see so much, quote unquote, you know, beef that happens today between celebrities who have much more in common, who should be fighting more things together than when they're separated. And if we don't really learn that history, we are really doomed to repeat it. That's why I also also appreciated Spike talking about squashing the beef with, with Tyler Perry. And so really at the end of the day, what Jackie Robinson was doing, and that other thing you were talking about, Roland Martin, how Dr. King was talking about how certain celebrities who weren't visible in the face of the movement he was like, you need to be in those spaces because you can support us in other ways. We need that type of strategic mindset. And you you know the celebrities today better than than, not, than I do. So I, I hope some of that is going on behind the scenes because so many of them seem to be involved in, in a lot of foolishness and don't really get involved in things until it's too late, until there's like a George Floyd or until there's like a Roe v. Wade reversal. But we need consistent organization and commitment from people who are out there in this space. And your segment was a real reminder of the complexities of those who fought during this time and the lessons we can learn from them. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Why, why am I sitting there laughing? Because Spike just came in, he took my cell phone left and, and, and didn't take <laughs> his. Uh, so I guess, he just, I guess he just realized we probably got a phone. Yeah, he, this is my main phone. He took my backup cell phone. Uh, so but I don't know how he missed it, that big old red case he got on his. All right, Representative Shannon, uh, I, want, I want to go to you uh, because um, one of the things that I think is important to, to say here, um, Jackie Robinson dies in 1972. So, so we're talking about 50 years uh, of work by his wife to keep that legacy going. The reality is this. Jackie Robinson Day, retiring the number 42 jersey, all of these things that have happened doesn't happen unless Rachel Robinson uh, is a driving force. So in many ways, if you look at the legacy of today, or the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., <clears throat> we don't have that without Coretta Scott King. And you don't have any of this, the Jackie Robinson Foundation, uh, this museum, without Rachel Robinson. Yeah, and far too often, that's the way it always is, is that black stories don't get told. Our work does not get spotlighted until long after folks have died and gone. Their families have to work so hard to get the work spotlighted. One thing that I was thinking the entire time that you were having that conversation with Spike was that, you know, it's interesting because with um, Jackie Robinson, so often in pop culture, all we ever hear about is his career as an athlete. It's only ever in black spaces do we hear about his civil rights work. And so I'm glad that now there will be a museum that's brick and mortar so that everybody can understand the full legacy of Jackie Robinson. So this is really important. Uh, someone just asked uh, in our chat, uh, is Rachel Robinson still alive? Y'all, she's sitting out there. 
Uh, yes, she turned 100 last week, uh, and so she's uh, there in the wheelchair in her white suit, uh, and so she is still with us, uh, still on the front lines. Uh, in fact, they were telling her this used to be her office uh, before she um, before she uh, stopped coming into the foundation, uh, and so very much, very much still involved uh, in this foundation, uh, and very much uh, still active, uh, still sprightly. Uh, still uh, fighting on behalf. Uh, and, and for the people who are watching, <clears throat> look, we could have easily um, just had somebody on via satellite, uh, via Skype, and had them on not being here. Uh, but uh, tomorrow there's going to be the ribbon cutting taking place from 10 a.m. to 11.45. We'll be live streaming that. Uh, there's a gala tomorrow night. Uh, we'll be live streaming that. On Wednesday there's a block party from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., uh, kids, uh, schools, and others, they've already signed up, RSVP'd, to come through the museum. Uh, we'll be broadcasting. And then, of course, they have a, a movie airing, documentary Wednesday night called After Jackie, uh, and then a celebrity talk back. And so we are going to actually uh, live stream the celebrity talk back uh, as well. And this is a perfect example, Julian. Um, and I don't know if how many of y'all saw... Uh, the L.A. Times piece is on there. Is, if you go to their website, y'all, uh, their story that came out uh, on me and the Black Star Network, uh, it's going to run tomorrow on the um, on the on the uh, section of I forgot what they call it. Um, what section they call it? Their uh, calendar, the calendar section. Let me double check. Uh, yes, the calendar section tomorrow. It's going to be on the cover of their calendar section. But this is precisely why Black-owned media matters. Uh, yes, Robin Roberts is going to be hosting this uh, tomorrow. Uh, I think Major League Baseball is going to be carrying it. Uh, but these type of stories, they don't happen without black-owned media. Um, and, 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 Julian, I've said this countless times, that we will rue the day when we have to ask, hope, and pray somebody else covers our story. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I know somebody may say, you know, you know, wh why would you spend, you know, the three to five thousand dollars with staff coming down here, hotel rooms, car rentals uh, to cover this? But the reality is this is our history. This is our story. And we shouldn't just hope a local television station drops by and gets 30 seconds or one minute uh, of sound regarding this. No, this is important not only for this generation, but for the folks who are going to watch this and see this 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. You know, Roland, you have done such great work. And what you mentioned, certainly some of the major networks will cover some of this, but nobody's going to cover all of it but you. You're going to be there for the opening of the museum. You're going to be there for the gala and the celebrity talkback. And, you know, all props to Robert Roberts and all the other brothers and sisters who do mainstream media. But the fact is that they have to go to their bosses and ask, and in some cases beg, to get the coverage that, to get a fraction of the coverage that you're providing. So you, you made the case, you made the, you make the case literally every day when you put your program on, you make your case when you travel and have your team travel with you to Essence, to NAACP, to Urban League, to wherever you go, because you're there and you're there for us. And so, you know, it's really, it's extremely important. It's also important, I mean, you and Spike talked a bit about your criticism of President Obama, and so you didn't get invited to the birthday party. Oh, well, um, the fact is that if you're going to have 
honest media, honest black media, we cannot uh, hold anybody up on a pedestal and say that they are impervious to criticism. They are, you know, it's about, you know, being accountable. It's not about who you are. It's about what you stand for in terms of black people. And there's so many folks who refuse to criticize folk when they wrong because they want to get to the party or they want to, they don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers or they, people are sensitive. Well, that is not moving black people's agenda. And so right on rolling. That's all I have to say. Amen. And, and look, on Congo. I mean, I mean, look. Here's I, I got no problem saying it. I mean, when when uh, President Obama's book came out, uh, we weren't on the list to interview him. Uh, same thing with Michelle Obama. And and here's the deal. I'm not going to sit here uh, and and be all mad and upset. The bottom line is this: here, uh, I don't regret a single critique uh, that I had during those eight years because I know what my role and responsibility is. Uh, I made it. Now, I'll, ne I'll never forget when I guess it was within the first 60, 90 days of his presidency, I wrote a column on CNN.com uh, complaining about the lack of black people in his press office. And Val Valerie Jarrett called me and said she had just <laughs> left the Oval Office and the president was upset. And I was like, why is he mad? She said because of Robert Gibbs came in waving your column. And she said the president said an attack on his press office is an attack on him. And I said to her point blank, Valerie. Did I tell you before y'all got elected that if the White House press office was as white as the campaign staff was, we would have a problem? She said, yes. Did I tell you I was going to publicly call y'all out for that? She said, yes. She said, so why are you calling me? Mm. <laughs> and then she was like, what? She's, and then it's true. And then she said, well, how are we going to deal with this? I said, you go tell President Obama, go hire some more black people. <laughs> I said, let me be clear with y'all. I'm here for black people. I said, nobody else. I said, if folk want to fight for other people, I said, I'm here for black people. I said, and I didn't sit here and carry water for y'all to get elected and not to see black people benefit. So when, you know, in, in 2014, when that article came out of Wall Street Journal saying $23.09 billion in small business loans went out to black people, went out to folks in America and only black, black Americans only got 385 million. I immediately called the White House, jammed them up for 90 days and pressed them hard on that. And so that's the point. I know what my role and responsibility is. Look, it's civil rights organizations uh, mad as hell because I said something. Guess what? Get over it. This is what yeah. we are supposed to do. We are not here to be cheerleaders. We're here to be chronicles of what happened. But this is what happens. I just said Jackie Robinson was raising money for the NAACP and was critical of Roy Wilkins, who ran the NAACP. If black people who are in, in leadership are so sensitive to criticism from other black people, and yes, President Obama was, he hated black criticism, well, guess what? If you got criticized by Republicans and you still sat down with them, well, damn it, you can suck it up and take mine. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, it's really about True. If you if you really love somebody, you really want them to succeed, you don't do so by giving them a blind pass, like so many people are doing with Donald Trump. Just let him do whatever he wants because we love our president or whatever. You show your love by holding them accountable, by challenging them every single day to be their best. And really, at the end of the day, they say, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. You got to continue to roll with the people that, that brought you to the dance. And at the end of the day, when it comes down to the black community, 
our leadership needs to be held accountable by us first. And they need to listen to us first. Because nine, nine, to nine times out of 10, we're usually right about the critiques that we're doing. And one of the reasons why the critiques that you give, Roland, should be respected more is because you're doing it out of love for the black community. I remember one time when you were on CNN and I was doing some eye reporting for CNN and you said something about Kobe Bryant. I think he got in trouble over something that he said that was considered homophobic or something. And you said something about it. Uh, 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 no, uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Here's a clip from an upcoming episode featuring the weekly home checks, Keyshawn Lane, that you won't want to miss. A common mistake that a lot of people do, they use fabric softener when it's not so great for your clothes. Should we never be using fabric softener? No, you should not ever be using oh. fabric softener. Oh. It leaves a deposit on our clothes, which is also left in the machine. And it also makes the clothes highly flammable. Wait, what? <laughs> yes. What you want to do instead is just use a quarter cup of vinegar. And that'll make them softer? That'll make them softer. And if you wanted some kind of scent, you can use essential oils. Wow, wow, wow. Catch new episodes of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult every other Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yimby's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. No, 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 no. It was a... No, no, no. Kobe Bryant made it... It was, it was in discussion... It was in discussion about Kaepernick. Um, okay. And I think Jim Brown as well. And Kobe made some comments and in an article in GQ. Uh, I lit him up. And I remember I was in Boston about to get on a plane. And, no, that, that, and that's where I was going. That's where I was going. Because I saw you in the airport. And your phone rang. And you said, hold on, it's Kobe Bryant. And then y'all went into a corner. And y'all were going at it, like, right before you got on the plane. <laughs> and... I just never forgot that story. And I was like, wow, this, this brother will take it to yeah. anybody. And the, the respect was already there. Look, I mean, I, I mean, I, level. I, 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 I critiqued Oprah when I ran Chicago Defender and I was in Chicago. But that's what we are supposed to do. I just right. think, uh, Representative Shannon, what is required of lead black leadership is, hey, Folk will give you a fair shot. 
as long as someone is fair, as long as they're not petty, as long as they are not uh, trying to shade you and being personal, but as long as they understand that this is about the benefit of our people, that's what it boils down to. And that's why when I read Jackie Robinson's book, I Never Had It Made, I so appreciated it because he was so brutally honest and folks, it was in his words and the book, he finished it before he died. And it was published after his death. Yeah, so it's a few things. You know, as an elected official, I understand um, folks feeling like they're getting it from all sides, what you mentioned before about President Obama. But the thing is, is that they should be grateful for any information that comes from you, Roland, because your show and your commentary really reflects what black folks are thinking and feeling on the ground. So in my mind, that is a cheat sheet. If you have gotten so busy working that you don't have time to understand what's going on on the ground, they should be thankful to get that from you. And like another panelist said, you know, there's just too much of folks forgetting where, you know, who brought them to the dance. They get where they want to go and then they forget who got them there. And I know that as a, you know, black, as a black elected official, um, we know who makes our campaigns. We know who shows up and shows out for us. And it just can't be that once a person is elected, then they don't have time to hear, you know, what folks need and criticisms if need be. So I think it's a help. Hey, it's what we do. Folks, uh, got to go to a break. We come back. We're going to talk to a young man who saved several lives uh, by jumping into the waters uh, as folks were drowning. Uh, it is an unbelievable story, and he will join us next right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, broadcasting live from the Jackie Robinson Foundation, where they are opening tomorrow the Jackie Robinson Museum right here in New York City. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network. A Balanced Life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. What's going on? This is Tobias Trevelyan. Hey, I'm Amber Stevens-West. Yo, what up, y'all? This is Jay Ellis, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, uh, welcome back to uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered. So uh, how many of you uh, saw this story uh, that came uh, out of... Um, Mississippi, and that is uh, these folks actually uh, had gone into uh, the waters there, gone to the waters there, uh, and then uh, all of a sudden uh, they were, okay, having issues. And so this uh, young man actually sees it, uh, jumps into action, and saves them. He's a young brother. He's a teen. He saved three young girls as well as a police officer. Yes, uh, folks, joining me right now on Roland Martin Unfiltered, 
uh, ears, uh, that brother Corian Evans, joining us from Pascagoula, uh, Mississippi. Corian, glad to have you on the show. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. So, so take us through uh, what happened. Were you just walking along, riding a bike, and you, you saw uh, these folks struggling in the water? What happened? Uh, yes, sir. It was actually after a party. Like, um, it was a party that night, and we were, like, the party, like, after it ended, um, we were all looking for somewhere to go. <clears throat> and we had went to this place called The Point, but the, um, the Point had also got shut down. So that's when somebody was like, let's just all go to the boat dock um, under the bridge. Like, we can just chill there, have a good time at the boat dock. You know, we don't have to worry about any, you know, police or anything. So we went under um, the boat dock, and, you know, we were just chilling out there, having a good time. And that's when, like, like by this time, everybody, like, a lot of people had left or were getting ready to leave. And um, I was getting ready to leave also. And also the car that um, drove in the water was, um, they were getting ready to leave. So, like, I was just sitting in my car on my phone and, um... So, 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 so the car that went in, so the car that went to the water with the three girls, they were at the same party you were at? Yes, sir. Okay, got it. So you're sitting in your car, and then what happened? Yeah, so I'm just sitting in my car and um, I just like I see a car um go behind me, and like they're like driving at a decent, a pretty good decent speed like towards the water, and I'm like, like as I'm seeing this car, because I'm watching the car as it's driving um towards the water, I'm like, where they going? Like the street that way, they must don't know that they're going the wrong way. Like in my head, I'm not thinking, you know, they're about to run in the water. Like that's not e that's not even on my mind. I'm just like. You know, they're going to realize they're going the wrong way and turn back around and go to the road. And then I just seen them keep going and going into the water. It was like a ramp going down into the water. And so um, as I'm like, I'm just watching them like I'm in my driver's seat, but I'm watching them from behind me. And um, I seen them just go straight down the ramp. And I realized I couldn't see their taillights no more. Like I seen their taillights driving and then I just seen it go straight down. And I'm like, it's water down there, but like at first I'm not really just reacting like, you know, it's water. They just ran into the water because like that's not even on my mind. Like I'm like, there's no way, you know, they just ran into the water. And then that's when I seen somebody else, like they were from, like across the boat dock from me, like parked out like across, and I seen them get out of their car and run towards the water. That's when I got out of my driver's seat, got out of my car. And I took off running towards the water. And, like, as I'm getting close to the water, I'm hearing people saying, help, help us, help, you know, just, just screaming help as I'm getting closer. And um, when I finally got close enough to see what was going on, that's when I seen the car in the water and I seen um, the three girls outside of the car saying help. And um, that's when I just ran. I ran um, on the side of the boat dock, up the side of it, and... Um, I took my shirt off and threw my um, shoes off, took my phone out of my pocket, threw my phone down. And, um, yeah, I just I just jumped in the water. And then the first girl, first I had I had to grab the girl that was closest to me, like, from, from me coming to the shore, because she had tried to swim a little bit out. First I went to help her. I had to get her and um, bring her back to the shore. But um, after, like, 
she it was one girl trying to swim away from the car, and it was the two other girls were like they were still like close to the car, but the car was like underwater. You could still see the lights, but the whole car was like basically sunk under the water. And um, they were still by the car, and one wow. of them was like, one of them was like panicking, like one of them was panicking bad. And so after I took her, um, it was somebody that showed. I was just kind of when I felt my feet hit the ground, that's when I like kind of pushed her forward because I'm like she can walk from here because I feel my feet hit the ground, and um, that's when I turned around to swim back, and then I seen um one of the girls panicking in the water, um. But like I said, some of the car, like like the top of it and the front, like kind of the front windshield was still above the water a little bit. And um, so I went and got her and I'm swimming her to the car. I'm like, come on, let's go to the car, come on. So we get to the car, I'll get them on top of the car. I'm telling them, you know, catch your bro, calm down, catch your bro. You know, y'all need to catch our bro, y'all been swallowing water. And um, so we're just sitting on top of the car and that's when the officer arrived. That's when Officer Mercer arrived and um, yeah, he got out of his car, he ran over there, and he got in the water, and he, like, swam to us on the car, and um, he's just telling her, hey, you know, you're going to be okay, you're going to be safe with me, I'm going to get you back to the shore, like, he's telling her she's going to be okay, and um, she got, like, directly on his back, which, you know, wasn't really the right thing to do, because when somebody is on, like, directly on your back, and you're trying to swim, you're not going to be able to swim, you're just going to, like, they're going to take you under because you can't even, you know, you're not as flexible as you would be if you're just swimming. So when um, she got on his back, when they left the car and tried to swim back to shore, she started taking the officer under. Like, he was going underwater, trying to come back up. He was saying, I can't, I can't. Like, he kept saying, I can't. But he was still trying to swim. And when I seen that, that's when I got off the car, and I had to go and help um, her and the officer. Like, I was behind them, trying to keep them above water, and also push them forward at the same time while keeping them above water. And as we got closer to the shore, I mainly started focusing on the girl because um, she, could, she couldn't swim and she was still panicking. Like, my main focus wasn't getting the officer back to shore at this point. My main focus at, like, at this time when I'm trying to get her back is just get her back to the shore because I'm, I'm knowing the officer can swim or he'll be able to make it back himself. So... Uh, once again, I had felt myself when I got her close enough and felt my feet hit the ground. I um, pushed her to somebody, um, gave her to somebody at the shore. And um, when I turned around, I seen the police officer, like, he's, like, really in the water, like, drowning. Like, he's going underwater, drowning. He Like, he can't swim. Like, he swallowed a lot of water. His body was exhausted. And he just, he just couldn't swim anymore. So that's when I had to leave again. And I had to go and grab the officer and pull him back into the shore. And um, put him, I pulled him back in to the shore, and I gave him to somebody. And um, the last girl on top of the car, she was the one that she knew how to keep herself above water, and she also knew how to doggy paddle um, a little bit. But she can't, she couldn't swim. But luckily, she knew how to like, you know, like keep herself above the water, keep herself from um, going under. So she was kind of trying to doggy paddle um, back to the shore, and I went out there and um, I just like basically spread it up. I just helped her get back to the shore um, in a um, faster amount of time. But yeah, man, the, the officer, he was he was most definitely the closest to drowning. When when we when I got her back to the shore, um, and he got back, 
Uh, he he could barely stand up. He was throwing up a lot. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Wow, that that is an unbelievable story right there. Uh, and and and, and the, how long have you been swimming? I've been swimming since I was about three years old because my grandma always had a pool in her backyard. Uh, man, that, that is an incredible, incredible story. Uh, you, uh, are indeed, uh, a real life superhero, uh, for that. Uh, what is, what has your life, uh, been like since, uh, this happened? Um, yeah, after it happened and just like my local city news posted it, like the next two or three days, like news channels from like all across the, um, all across the nation was posting me good morning America. The Washington Post, like, when I seen all those posting me, that was kind of just un unbelievable because, like, those are shows, and, I mean, Good Morning America is a show. I used to, you know, see my mom watching in the morning, Washington Post, you know, um, CNN, I mean, not CNN, NBC. Like, those are all things I have seen on TV. So just, like, seeing me on TV and, like, seeing them post and, you know, telling me, sending me messages, like, yeah, my life has been crazy. And, like, everywhere I go in public, people are, um, like, in my city, people are asking me, you know, are you the hero or are you the one who's saying them girls? Like, everywhere I go. So that's that's probably what, that's what my life has been like, like, everywhere. Well, that uh, is absolutely uh, amazing, uh, brother. We are glad that you were there uh, to do what you did. Uh, and uh, certainly I'm sure those three girls and that police officer are thankful that you've been swimming since you were three years old. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you so very much for joining us, uh, Corian. Uh, I'm, and I'm quite sure. Uh, first of all, uh, uh, are you part of your school swim team? No, sir, I'm not. Uh, well, look, uh, I'm sure uh, uh, maybe there's uh, some future in you in aquatics. And so, uh, again, congratulations. Thank you very much. Uh, for being a real life superhero, uh, and uh, good luck in your future, young brother. Young brother. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless. I appreciate it, uh, Representative Shannon. I'm going to go to you. Uh, look, uh, the, the value of teaching uh, our uh, folks uh, the importance of swimming. You see it right there. Uh, if he wasn't able to swim, that could be four dead folks. Uh, those three girls and that police officer. Absolutely. And, you know, not just able to swim, but able to swim well, because for how he recognized that folks were drowning because they were panicking. And, you know, that was just really amazing. That, And, and I'm glad he told his story here because you can't get all the detail that he gave us just from reading the article. So that was amazing to hear firsthand. Omicongo? Yeah, man, it, it's, it's, it's kind of emotional um, for sure. You know, as a kid myself, you know, I had a situation where I almost drowned. You know, my sister saved me. Um, my my youngest, uh, who's seven, you know, my son, you know, almost had an incident a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, we're in the practice. You know, he's learning to swim as well. You know what I mean? And so, you know, seeing that, uh, to be quite honest, it, w it, it was a lot, you know, to take in. And it, But it, I'm so grateful at the same time to see this hero. And to be quite honest, 
there's a deeper layer to this because of the, the history of black people and swimming in this country, not being allowed in pools, entire neighborhoods shutting down so that pools wouldn't integrate and all of that other type of history that we, we were denied. And so that the fact that this young brother was able to do that since three because of his grandmother, it clearly benefited an entire community of people whose family members are alive again, uh, today because of them. And then, of course, just I don't even know if these kids were black or if the cop was black or white or whatever, but, you know, just as it relates to black, you know, and, and, and police relations, it, it's, it's a positive story because outside of the, this, these tributes that is being praised, how would this, these officers treat this brother uh, on the streets? You know, so there's so many beautiful lessons that we can take from the story of this hero. And I'm just glad that you had him on to really go deeper into his story, man. It, it, it means a lot to all of us. Uh, Julian. You know, you see a young man like that, you can't feel anything but pride. Uh, mm -hmm. As you say, the whole issue of swimming with black people is really important. But he um, learned how to swim in his grandma's pool. But more than that, he extended himself. He had to be in really great shape to go to basically save four people. And again, like Omakonga, we don't know what, what the race of these people was. Um, but what we know is that his humanity basically um, came out. I hope that he continues to swim and perhaps gets a swimming scholarship somewhere or that uh, he's lifted up in that little area I know, Pascagoula, Moss Point. I was uh, exiled there for a year when I was in high school. Uh, <laughs> won't tell you all about that. But... Uh, <laughs> But anyway, it's it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, small. yeah. You probably you probably you probably cussed the teacher out. <laughs> well, actually, see, I I got put out of about three high schools for uh, among other things, joining the Panthers. Um, yeah, I did cuss one wow. teacher out. Um, another one, I asked her what the statistical probability of me turning my paper in on time was. That got me in some more trouble. Okay, <laughs> at least I'm consistent, y'all. Um, but in any case, that that my aunt Annie Mae Randall taught uh, sixty years worth of uh, the fifth grade. And so people down there know Miss Randall, as they called her. It's an interesting area. Um, very, it was very segregated, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s, perhaps less so now. But it's an area, it's a small, homey kind of area. And so it just made my, did my heart good to see that young brother. I mean, really, young men, you don't run into young folk like that that often. And so just, just hold him up mm -hmm. and I'm rolling. I hope that through Roland Martin Unfiltered, we can get something together to help him out as he goes to his next, to the next level, college or whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, we certainly will uh, find out. Uh, folks, uh, hold tight one second. got to go to a break. Uh, we'll be back with more Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Folks, we are here uh, live with the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Don't forget to support us in what we do. Download the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, uh, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV, and of course, be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Your dogs make it possible to do what we do, to travel across this country, cover the stories that other people uh, do not cover. Uh, checking money orders for all y'all folks who don't believe in uh, uh, new technology. Yeah, we still do old school. Uh, P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash App, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. We'll be right back. Sexy to me is the exact same feeling uh, as running water ever flowing. Water always finds a way to get through. And so when you know that you're sexy, 
there are no questions about it. It is an ever-flowing emotion. It is an ever-flowing feeling. Mm -hmm. When you question it, though, you stop the water. Mm. I, I actually I struggle with this a lot, mainly because I've been told what sexy should look like, what it should feel like. As a model who did Sports Illustrated, you're told that this is what sells sexy. But then you travel the world, and what's sexy to one person is not sexy to another person. Um, I'm more of a mindfuck kind of person. Uh, how can you how can you stimulate the brain? Mm -hmm. To me, that's that's sexy. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Peace and love, everybody. I'm Purple Wonder Love. Hey, I'm Donnie Simpson. What's up? I'm Lance Gross, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Gavi has been missing from Memphis, Tennessee since March 2nd. The 16-year-old is 5 feet 6 inches tall, weighs 175 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. Anyone with information about Paris Gavi should call the Memphis, Tennessee Police Department at 901-545-2677, 901-545-2677. Uh, and some sad news, folks, about one of the black and missing folks we reported on last week. 20-year-old uh, Jimmy J. Lee is presumed dead, a suspect, a suspect. Uh, has been charged with the murder of the missing University of Mississippi student. On Friday, Oxford police arrested 22-year-old Sheldon Timothy Harrington Jr. for Jimmy's murder. Police have not released the connection between the two, uh, and they are still looking for Jimmy's body. Jimmy was last seen Friday, July 8th, uh, near some campus apartments. His car was found the same day he went missing, about 2.5 miles off campus. Uh, Jimmy was last seen wearing a silver robe or house coat, a gold sleeping cap and gray slippers. Uh, anyone with information with regards to Jimmy J. Lee should call the Oxford Police Department at 662-232-2400-662-232-2400. Folks, uh, as I told you, we're here in New York City. Uh, for the uh, grand opening of the Jackie Robinson Museum. We covered the groundbreaking several years ago. COVID delayed things uh, in a significant way, but now they are opening it. Uh, tonight, there is a uh, private reception for uh, supporters of the foundation as well as donors. Uh, and tomorrow morning will be the groundbreaking, the ribbon cutting and the opening of the Jackie Robinson Museum. But the work of the Jackie Robinson Museum really comes out of the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Uh, and uh, Rachel Robinson worked to create these Jackie Robinson scholars. My next guest uh, was one of those scholars, uh, and she now is gone from that to actually being in baseball. No, she doesn't play, uh, but she is the CEO of the Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation, uh, Nicole White. How you doing? I'm doing great, Roland. Thank you so much for having me on. So, so let's talk about that. I've, I've addressed uh, the scholars uh, in the past. 
Uh, but for the folks who don't know uh, about the Jackie Robinson Scholars, uh, tell them about it. Yeah, so the Jackie Robinson Foundation was founded by my hero, Rachel Robinson, uh, to perpetuate the legacy of her husband, Jackie, to really show people who he was as a man on the field and off the field, and to really give education, scholarships, and professional development and networking to minority students across the country who just at, literally need ha had financial need and really needed that additional assistance to make it through life. And so um, your class, how large was the class? Oh, my goodness. We probably had about 150 scholars, very different from the larger classes today, thanks to the generous donors out there. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what did y'all do? You know what? So when I got the scholarship, it gave me the chance to go to Spelman. I tell people all the time, had I not received the Jackie Robinson scholarship, college was in question. But what tremendous opportunity came with that. I don't think that any, any uh, scholarship recipient receives a scholarship understanding that is so much more than a check. It's a check. It's a New York annual summit. It's an opportunity to come and meet all the scholars from across the country, to met, network with your peers, but also to meet people you would never have interacted with, whether it be at the annual dinner, whether it be in conferences and, and, and panels, and as part of so many opportunities where there are corporate individuals and so much more. It's an opportunity, frankly, to just expose yourself to the things that you might not have known, the things that your family might not have taught you as you were coming up. And so it just opened my world, you know, it opened my network. And I think it still continues to do that for so many scholars today. Um, and I'm just so proud to be an alum. So how did you go from that to being in baseball with the Daughters Foundation? Yeah, believe it or not, my scholarship sponsor was J.P. Morgan Chase. I went into finance because they offered me a full-time job out of Spelman. Uh, went into finance, did that for a little while. I went into publishing. I worked for Essence Magazine, for Black Enterprise Magazine, loved sponsorship, marketing, and advertising. And I moved to Los Angeles while working for Black Enterprise Magazine. And I met Della Britton Baeza, the president and CEO of the Jackie Robinson Foundation. And she asked me to come and work for them as they were opening up an L.A. office. So I joined the L.A. office team. I eventually became the VP, Western Region Officer for the Jackie Robinson Foundation, which was my foray into philanthropy. And I always say I got this doctoral degree degree in nonprofit management working for the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Just a full circle of events, having been a former scholar and then working full-time for the organization and still learning and still growing and still being nurtured by the foundation and the family. And eventually, um, I had gone to work for some local nonprofits in L.A., L.A.'s Promise, a school reform organization and college summit. And I got a call one day from the Dodgers, and I was at the stadium, and they all said to me, why haven't you applied to be the executive director of the Dodgers Foundation? And so I like to say I was... You're like, really? I said, I did. first of all, I said, I didn't know you had a, a foundation, and I didn't even know that position existed. Um, and so I learned a lot. In the next two weeks, I interviewed with Magic Johnson, Mark Walter, the entire ownership group of the Dodgers, um, and I got the job. Um, and I like to say to this day, I was drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers to be the CEO of the foundation. Now, were you a baseball fan before? So a, a, a sports fan for, for sure. Um, interestingly enough, I was born in Brooklyn, New York, uh, raised here in Manhattan. Um, I had been in L.A. then maybe about 10 years thus far. Um, so I hadn't necessarily been cheering for the Dodgers, but let me tell you, I cheer really loudly right now. <laughs> uh, that would have got to be a little bit different to be a New York native uh, and now working for the Dodgers. So you know what? Jackie a little, a Robinson makes that okay. Jackie played in Brooklyn, right? And the, Jackie played for the Dodgers. So I think it's a lot easier of a transition than a whole lot of other cities. Okay, that's true. In the last week, 
Uh, of course, the All-Star game was in uh, uh, Los That's Angeles. Uh, that was his big tribute uh, to Jackie Robinson. Denzel Washington uh, actually uh, uh, opened it up. Uh, Y'all can go to that video, please. Uh, and, um, and, and, and this is someone who is still being honored uh, in a significant way uh, by Major League Baseball uh, for his accomplishments. Yeah, 75th anniversary of Jackie breaks, breaking the color barrier. This is a tremendous year to be opening up the museum. An amazing year for Rachel to be turning 100. There's a lot of amazing amazingness happening in the spirit of Jackie's legacy, particularly this year. And at the Dodgers and with the Dodgers Foundation, we celebrate Jackie all the time. Mm -hmm. It's Jackie's team. At the end of the day, we really can, we carry that, you know, with a lot of pride, and we make sure that not just Jackie Robinson Day, but throughout the year, uh, we're implementing Jackie's legacy in a lot of what we do. Um, talk about that uh, in terms of um, uh, the, the impact uh, because um, I mean, th this is someone who brought a significant number of people, um, African Americans, um, to watch Major League Baseball. Frankly, African Americans were watching Negro Leagues. Uh, there, there, are those, there are those who also talk about the fact that, unfortunately, uh, by so many Negro League players leaving, that destroyed the Negro Leagues. Uh, and Major League Baseball has also has had to try to rectify that uh, by now including those records uh, and not with an asterisk next to it in an appreciation of what the Negro League players did for baseball. Yeah, that was a major move, um, and it's such an important move, in, you know, taking that, removing the asterisk and making sure that those men are, not are, are, are noticed um, and frankly celebrated just like every other Major League Baseball player because they were the league. They were just a different league, but they were the league. And to your point, many of the players who went to the league at the time came from the Negro Leagues. I think we're doing a wonderful job in baseball celebrating the Negro League Museum and what Bob Kendrick is doing and making sure that the legacy of these players lives on. I think more people today are learning. History is happening. A lot of the teams across the country are making sure that they, whether they have exhibits or they have opportunities or special days to promote the Negro Negro leagues and what happened and who came out of that. Um, some of that's happening and it's amazing. Uh, well, unfortunately, we're now though in a space. Look, I played baseball growing up in high school, yes. but we're living in a space now uh, where there are so few African Americans. Uh, what are y'all doing at the Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation and what is Major League Baseball doing to really try to keep African Americans interested uh, in uh, this sport that also pays the biggest salaries? Yep, yep. A lot of things. Um, we're making sure, number one, that we have star players on the team who look like the young black boys and girls in the city of L.A., like a Mookie Betts or a David Price, um, who can speak up for the community and who, who themselves have said we need more black players and we need more black fans. We're making sure that we concentrate on the younger generation. In Los Angeles, we have a Dodgers Dream Team program, formerly Dodgers RBI, focused on ensuring that young black and brown youth have an opportunity to play baseball and softball completely free. We have 12,000 kids in the program at 88 different locations in Los Angeles, ensuring that you get all the equipment, all the uniforms, everything you need. Coaches are trained, quality coaches. We did an assessment 10 years ago when we found out that the reason why our young black boys and girls weren't playing baseball or softball, it was ex it's, it's expensive. Yep. It's an expensive sport. It's very different from a basketball. It's very even even different from football. It's and a very expensive sport. Now you have the traveling teams. Now you have, which are essentially 
pro leagues. Um, you have a lot of working families to go along with those traveling teams. So that can be a reason that a player yep. doesn't play. A co coaches. We know a lot of families where dad and mom could just jump right in and be coaches. In a lot of our communities, that's not the case. In a lot of our communities, we're afraid to coach. In a lot of our communities, we just need a little training and we need a little understanding, which is also why coaches training is, is tremendously big for us. It starts with the younger generation. We have to start. And we might not see some of these results for some time, but we have to get back to working on the young black boys and girls and showing them that baseball is an opportunity, softball is an opportunity. On the softball side, bringing Olympians like Natasha Watley out so people can see people who look like them. Mm -hmm. um, there's obviously a need for a lot more black players in the game. Undoubtedly, there is a need for a number of more black players in the game. I think it's happening in a lot of the farm systems. I think it's happening beneath what you see right now, and we're not seeing the results immediately. But I know that in Los Angeles, we have some specific efforts. I'm proud to say our club hired a vice president of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, last year, for the first time in our history, Courtney Moore is doing a fabulous job in making sure that, first of all, the fee on the field, it looks, you know, like there is an increase, but also within the office that uh, people can see that there are front office jobs for black men and women, um, and there are people in those roles like myself doing it, and you can too. Uh, well, that is absolutely awesome, uh, and uh, it is always, uh, first of all, I'm just so excited that this museum will be here for people to actually come here. Uh, and and learn about Jackie Robinson far beyond even his playing time with the Dodgers. Yes. Uh, he, he, he was much larger than that. Yes, so big. I mean, my biggest um, sort of sad moment is that it's in New York and that I will have to take a few trips to come back here and it's <laughs> not in L.A., but I can't wait to tell everybody to come and see it because it's phenomenal and to watch Rachel Robinson at 100 years old, just a few weeks after her 100th birthday, experience the reveal of this museum. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the back seat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high-yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. Just so special. Yeah, but see what that now means, though. That means that uh, they're going to have a, a, a traveling exhibit. Yes, traveling exhibits, see. virtual access. See. We all know about virtual with this pandemic. Yeah, uh, we do. We do. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. Nicole, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, Thank good luck you. Uh, with the foundation. Uh, and uh, maybe I'll, I'll give you a call when my, when my Astros come to town. I'll swing by Dodger Boo. Stadium. 
like don't told, call me with an asterisk. Like I, like I told Spike Lee, I will be in all of my splendor. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Guaranteed. I love Guaranteed. That. All right, I appreciate it. Thank and yeah, you. George, George Lopez uh, is a uh, huge, huge yes. uh, uh, Dodgers, Dodgers fan. fan. Uh, and but hold on, let me switch phones because let me just show y'all this. I'm going to end on this, y'all. Where's my other phone? So I played in George's golf tournament. Okay. Uh, and this was uh, after the World Series. And George and I, we always have this shoe contest. Um, <laughs> and so that. I had ordered some uh, customized uh, Astro shoes. And I said, you know what? <laughs> That's not enough. I, and so then I took it further and I think I got... Uh, I, I said, I got the rainbow jersey. I said, well, that's not enough. <laughs> then I, re you know, because I'm born and raised in Houston. And so then I went on eBay and I found uh, the orange pinstripes on the, for the old uniforms. And I said, you know what? <laughs> that's not enough. Then I saw, uh, then I, I got the golf bag. Then I said, you know what? That's really not enough. Then I said, uh, let me get. Uh, I saw Dwight Howard head on this. Oops, my bad. Uh, I don't know y'all switched to the. I unplugged the phone. Uh, Dwight Howard head on this. Houston had the, that, the, that, that foam hat. Yes, yes. And I, yes. but you can only buy it in the stadium. So I called a brother who was one of the minority owners. I said, "You just send me that hat." So uh, y'all go short again. So when I showed up, you'll see it here. Oh when I showed up, goodness. I had Astros car flags on my car, uh, and so and so you might see here. Uh, I had these eel boots that uh, were cognac, which looked good with orange. Then I had this large Texans, Texas belt buckle right there. Uh, and that's how I rolled up uh, to the tournament. We are not in LA. You, we are not letting you in Dodger Stadium and, like with this. And Puig, and not. Puig was in my group. Absolutely not. Security would probably uh, ask you to leave. Puig was... <laughs> Queen was in my group, uh, and I actually had these Tyler's Pro B1s oh with Houston Astros World Champions uh, on them. Um, and, it, and then, and, and look, look, no, I went all out. You understand. Uh, Y'all can show this, too. The socks. Yeah, I had the socks, too. Yeah, I had the socks, too. So, yeah. Wow. Now, and last year, last year, y'all come back, last year. Uh, My heart is hurting. Oh, no, 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 no. Last year. <laughs> So I, I got so last year Joe Petchy and I, you'll see Joe and I, and just so you know how I yes, that's how I rolled to the tournament last year. <laughs> Don't invite me. What? <laughs> I, I see. Look, I'm gonna rep my squad, uh, and then Anthony shot these photos, and I had, of course, they they had me with uh, Uncle with my uh, Uncle Roro on the back. So yeah, you know, <laughs> I had to I had to look clean. I had to look clean in that jersey right there. So I'm just saying, being an alpha, I had to have the 06. I see. So, I see. So I'll be happy to come back to the stadium when we'll, we play. We'll be here in New York at the Jackie <laughs> Robinson Foundation Museum from now on. Oh, come on now. I know Holly Robinson, Pete, she's still oh. mad at me because uh, she blocked me on Twitter after we won because uh, her son was a bad boy, I think, and she RJ really, want, she really wanted RJ to get that ring. House. Yes. And I was like, yeah. sorry, Holly. Yeah. Well, he yeah. got a ring in 2020. Yeah, she blocked me for like a year. He'll get another ring, too. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah, we're going to yep. get another one, too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Folks, got to go to a quick break. We'll be back. Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, live from the Jackie Robinson Foundation.
On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, you see the headlines. All frightening, right? Interest rates are going up. The recession is on the way. The stock market is up and down. But you know what they say, scared money, don't make money. That's why I'm excited on our next Get Wealthy to have a conversation with someone who has written a new book, Fearless Finances, and she's going to share exactly what you need to do to secure your bag, regardless of the ups and downs of the economy or the stock market. Oftentimes you can start with as little as $5. That's right here, only on Get Wealthy on Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat, the black tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. Sexy to me is the exact same feeling uh, as running water, ever flowing. Water always finds a way to get through. And so when you know that you're sexy, uh, there are no questions about it. It is an ever flowing emotion, it is an ever flowing feeling. Mm -hmm. When you question it though, you stop the water. Mm. I, I actually, I struggle with this a lot, mainly because I've been told what sexy should look like, what it should feel like. As a model who did Sports Illustrated, you're told that this is what sells sexy, but then you travel the world and what's sexy to one person is not sexy to another person. Um, I'm more of a mindfuck kind of person. Uh, how can you how can you stimulate the brain? Mm -hmm. To me, that's, that's sexy. doing it's your favorite funny girl amanda seal hi i'm anthony brown from anthony brown and group therapy uh, lana well and you are watching roland martin folks it is hot all across the country and were you aware that the heat actually puts more stress on your heart yo seriously i thought it was reversed at uh like in the winter time that's the case uh and so uh, the cdc's foundation the live uh, to the beat campaign wants to help adults take steps to prevent heart disease as well as strokes including heat strokes joining us right now dr lisa waddell uh, the chief medical officer of the CDC Foundation. She joins me from Atlanta with eight ways to improve your heart health. Glad to have you here, uh, Lisa. First and foremost, um, uh, um, heat stroke. Uh, we just saw a, a former NBA, a former Dallas Cowboys player, Marion Barber, uh, die. Young guy, 
he died of a heat stroke. Um, uh, my, one of my uncles actually was just hospitalized. I think he was released today uh, because heat ex exhaustion. So, uh, you know, heat and heart, uh, those two things can, can, can form a combustible uh, combination. Well, Roland, thank you so much for having me uh, join you uh, today. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we have a significant problem with cardiovascular disease in this country. We've had this problem for a long time. And the heat uh, epidemic, if you will, that we're experiencing all across this country with these rising temperatures is certainly a concern. Whenever you have these really high temperatures, it puts a stress on the heart. The heart is having to beat faster um, in order to cool our bodies. And so it's really important that whether you have a history of heart disease or not, that you are taking those efforts to uh, keep yourself cool uh, so that you don't experience um, heat exhaustion where uh, you are uh, at risk of then subsequently going on and having a heat stroke where your body temperature gets so um, so high, you stop perspiring, you can get disoriented, and then you can uh, subsequently, um, unfortunately, you can die uh, if that is not uh, taken care of right away. Well, that is, uh, again, it, it is, you don't think about it because I mean, we would see these stories where they tell people to be very careful with their shoveling snow because of the risk of heart attacks when that happens. Uh, but you don't necessarily think about that when you talk about the heat. That's right. I mean, when with cardiovascular disease, your heart um, is is weakened, if you will, right? And so... Um, so any sort of stress and strain, whether it's the shoveling of the snow during the cold or whether it's the stress of your body trying to cool itself down when it's really hot, uh, those are stressors on uh, a heart that is not uh, as strong. Uh, when you've got heart disease or cardiovascular disease, uh, oftentimes your blood vessels may be narrowed. Uh, you often, people have... Um, other risk factors such as diabetes, and so your blood vessels aren't as elastic. Again, they're narrowed. You may have high cholesterol, and so you've got plaque. And so you may have some evidence of um, because of the blood pressure having been high, uh, your heart just isn't able to sort of pump as well. And so all of that leads to a weakened heart that isn't able to respond as well you know, with heat or, or cold, for that matter. And so that's why it's really important that we understand that we have a significant problem with heart disease uh, in this country. And while we had typically we were having some steady decline, uh, what's happened now is over the last uh, several years, um, that rate of decline of cardiovascular deaths has slowed down. And in fact, we're starting to see cardiovascular deaths or deaths from heart disease go up in a younger population between the ages of 25 and 64. And that's why we want to focus on what are some of those things that you can do uh, to prevent that. Questions from uh, my panel, uh, Mr. Hot Yoga himself, Makongo, you're up. Oh, thank you so much. And, you know, this is so such a serious issue. And 
I, I thank you for mentioning yo yoga, Roland, because that is something that has helped with my, my heart for sure. But one of the questions I have for you, doctor, is on the food side of things, on the food and beverage side, are there certain foods, beverages that you would recommend, like if we just had to do this like every day, just grab that one, that, you know, they used to say an apple a day keeps the doctor away and stuff. What kind of nutritional things do you recommend for us as it relates to keeping our heart healthy? That's a great question. And there definitely are things. That's one of our key tips. Uh, we want folks to eat healthier. And eating healthy, particularly during the summer, um, may not be as, as difficult because we do have fresh fruits and vegetables. Many people have gardens. So you want to eat those healthier fruits and vegetables, those green leafy vegetables. If you aren't able to get the fresh fruits and vegetables, then it's better to get the frozen uh, vegetables because we don't want to get um, the canned vegetables that are high in sodium. And why is that? that sodium is really bad for our blood pressure. And we know that high blood pressure is a significant risk factor for heart disease and stroke. So we want to keep that sodium down when you're out there grilling during the summer, try to get some of those um, low sodium uh, types of seasonings uh, to use. And then the other is we want to avoid um, things that are high in saturated fat. So you want to eat your healthier. You want to avoid the margin. You want to avoid the butter. Um, and instead, use some healthier uh, olive oil. Uh, eat some of those um, foods like um, that that have, you know, omega, uh, uh, omega fats in it, like salmon and, and healthy fish. Thank you. All right. Uh, Representative Shannon, you're next. Sure. Um, so I'd like to ask you about the correlation um, between with COVID and also some heart problems that we're seeing, um, particularly with black folks. You mentioned that heart disease has been on the rise. And I know um, we were seeing articles last year that after folks had COVID, they were black folks were um, predisposed or were having a higher incident of strokes and just things related to heart issues. Do you have any information just around um, what folks can do if they've recovered from COVID? what they should be looking out for to um, just combat any of that? I'm so glad you asked that because we had a problem before COVID. We certainly had a problem during COVID and we have a problem ongoing after COVID. And part of the issue is that during COVID, many persons um, uh, changed some of their activities. You know, if people were physically active, some of that actually um was, was lessened. People were not comfortable, obviously, for um, exercising inside. Um, more people picked up weight uh, and gained weight uh, during uh, COVID. And then people uh, deferred um, going to the doctor for their uh, uh, wellness visits and getting their heart checks. Uh, some people were having uh, signs and symptoms of perhaps a heart attack and uh, feared going into the, to the hospital because of COVID. So we did see um, heart attacks uh, and strokes uh, go up during uh, the pandemic. And so it's really important uh, to reverse that course. And part of reversing that course is to uh, make sure that we are uh, getting back to our physical activity, uh, making the healthier food choices, um, making sure that we've reconnected with our healthcare provider, uh, making sure that we're taking our blood pressure medicines um, and any uh, medication or other things to lower uh, cholesterol. But 
Uh, yes, we definitely had challenges during COVID. And it's important to remember that um, over half of all Blacks, both um, male and female, have some form of heart disease. So many of us are very likely to ex be experiencing some, some form of heart disease. And actually, the high blood pressure rates in the African-American community uh, here in the United States are some of the high. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian-Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. Hey everyone, this is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. We're back with season two of the podcast, which means more opportunities to glow up and become a more responsible and better adult, one life lesson at a time. And let me just tell you, this show is just as much for us as it is for you. So let's figure this stuff out together. This season, we're going to talk about whether or not we're financially and emotionally ready for dog ownership. We're going to figure out the benefits of a high yield savings account. And what exactly are the duties of being a member of the wedding party? All that plus so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Grown Up Stuff. in the world. So it's really important to have that connection with our healthcare provider uh, in order to, um, to help us manage um, uh, this condition. See, Julian, that's why I believe in cussing folk out and keep your blood pressure low. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you know, I, well, actually, I will never you know, we want to reduce that stress, right? Hold on, hold on, Julian. Lisa, go ahead. Lisa, go ahead. No, I was like, no, we, we don't want to do cuts people out. We want to actually reduce that stress, right? Because that stress. Oh, no, that reduced stress. Oh, that, that reduced. <laughs> Lisa, I cuss folks out. I am absolutely stress-free. <laughs> well, re whatever mechanism you use safely to reduce your stress uh, is good because stress is yes. sort of that, that constant wear and tear on our blood vessels and on our heart. It's sort yes. of like having or foot on that gas pedal constantly and you get this inflammatory response and and that's just not good and again couple that with many of the risk factors that uh, often we have in our community uh, stress is not good and so finding something to help you relieve the stress is another one of those healthy tips that we have um, around with the with the live to the beat uh, campaign. And part of that reducing that stress is also making sure we get some rest. Uh, we often do not get enough sleep, uh, and sleep is necessary for us to be able to restore our bodies and to rejuvenate uh, and to make sure that uh, our blood pressure is able to get sort of controlled and, and, and settle down uh, in the evenings. And so uh, rest is really important uh, to reduce stress also. 
Well, I got somebody who follow they follow us on the show. They always in the they always in the chat room saying, uh, "Rolling, you cuss too much." He be sending me emails. Yeah, I see your emails, I Kim. <laughs> but I'm telling you right now, I I don't hold nothing in. I ain't walking around with nothing. And so I'm just letting you know. Just look, cuss them out, move on. Julian, go ahead. There you go. Cuss them out, move on. Just cuss them out. But sister, um. <laughs> Black women, we, our awareness about breast cancer has increased, and we know that the incidence of breast cancer, we experience it differently, younger, et cetera. But what about heart disease? There are people who talk about women and heart disease, and it's something that we don't have as much awareness of as we do of, let's say, breast cancer. So talk to me about black women and heart disease, and also, what should we notice? You've given us lots of tips, but are particular things that black women should be paying attention to in terms of heart disease. Great, great question, because uh, often um, uh, black women uh, may not recognize that we may be experiencing some form of heart, uh, heart disease. Uh, often in women, the symptoms aren't some of the classic uh, symptoms of feeling like an elephant is sitting on your chest with sudden shortness of breath and pain radiating down your arm or up into your jaw. Sometimes it's just I'm just not feeling quite right. You may have a little bit of discomfort. Uh, you may feel more fatigue. Uh, but I think the thing we always tell women, and particularly Black women, is that we know our bodies. And if something is just not feeling right, then no one's going to generally know that better than you. And therefore, it's important to just express that and be firm about that, that something is just not right in order for you to get that EKG done or some of the blood work uh, done. Um, but certainly, um, cardiovascular disease, again, is the leading cause of death and certainly is a significant uh, cause of death for Black men and Black women, and therefore is something that we definitely need to pay attention to. And again, the things that we can do, what all of us can do, are again, just know your body, know yourself, uh, pay attention to those small things, but also manage our blood pressure, manage our blood sugar. If you have diabetes, it's important uh, to have that under control, lower your cholesterol. Um, and then also, I think the physical activity is really important. And part of one of the tips in terms of live to the beat is that it doesn't have to be uh, that you have to go out and exercise for an hour in a gym. But the small things, it could be five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, do what you can, uh, and you will gradually build. Uh, if you find the things that you enjoy doing, if it's dancing, put on a couple songs and dance to the beat. Do a few knee lifts at the countertop. Do some counter push-ups. Uh, keep some light weights near your desk uh, and lift a few weights, just some arm weights each day. But doing some of those small things will eventually build up uh, and that can make a big difference. And then I haven't mentioned smoking, but that is a significant risk factor. And so anyone that is smoking simply just needs to quit. Oh, I agree with that. I'm allergic to smoke. I'm with you there 100%. Uh, Doc, uh, where can people go to get more information if they're looking for stuff online? 
Well, if you want more information, I strongly encourage you to go to livetothebeat.org. That's L-I-V-E-T-O-T-H-E-B-E-A-T, livetothebeat.org. There are videos there. There are lots of tips. There are fun things to do, ways in which you can get those fruits and vegetables in, um, tips on, you know, walking to places instead of uh, driving when you can do that safely. So I encourage you to use those resources, share them with your friends and your family and your community groups. And then if you just want to know more about the CDC Foundation and what we do, you can certainly go to the CDC Foundation. Uh, org. But this is the time, my friends. This is summertime. The heat is nasty right now all across this country. And I can't encourage us all enough to stay cool, watch out for your neighbors, um, uh, use those cooling stations. Um, it's far too many people um, are dying from heat stroke and heart disease. All right, then. Well, look, I appreciate Dr. Waddell. Thank you so very much. Uh, and look forward to having you back again. Thank you so much. All right. Let me also thank uh, my panelists, Representative Shannon. Thanks a lot. Makongo, I appreciate it. Julian, I appreciate it as well. Uh, look forward to uh, having, having y'all back. Thank you so very much, folks. Uh, that is it for us, folks. Uh, again, we are here in New York City. Tomorrow morning, we get a schedule at 10 a.m. Uh, groundbreaking uh, from 10, I think it's 10, 1030 to 1145, uh, if I'm correct. Groundbreaking in the Jackie Robertson Museum. We will be live. We will be live for that ribbon cutting ceremony. Uh, and then we're going to be set up inside of the museum doing more interviews. And then they have the opening party with live entertainment. Ray Chu is over that. Uh, we will be broadcasting that as well. So we look forward to that. And so we'll be live here from uh, New York uh, City. Uh, that's taking place um, uh, on uh, tomorrow. Now, on Wednesday, uh, there's the block party from 10 a.m. to uh, 10 a.m. to uh, no, give me Wednesday, y'all. Give me Wednesday. That's Tuesday. Thank you. With block party is 10 to 3 p.m. Uh, on Wednesday. And then there's a screening of the After Jackie film. There's a celebrity talk back. And so we will have a celebrity talk back live right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. And then there's the Gila Dance Party. Folks, this is a perfect example of why Black-owned media is so important. When you hear me talking about this here, when you hear me imploring you to support us, uh, to ignore the haters, that's why it matters. That's why it's important for you to share our YouTube videos because we generate revenue. When our YouTube videos go up, when we hit four, five, six, seven million, uh, I'll tell you right now, we can earn anywhere from seventy to $100,000 that month. That's why that's important. Those resources gives us the opportunity to travel this country, to cover more stores, to do more things. Yesterday, we were in New Jersey. A man, Wendell Haskins, who's a Hampton graduate, had his original T Golf Classic. He's been honoring African Americans in golf for the more than last for more than 20 years. We live stream the award ceremony where they honor Lonzo Mourning. Uh, we'll have uh, the video uh, hopefully tomorrow showing you sights and sounds of the golf tournament again. Y'all, there's no other media out there. There's no other black-owned media out there. And so what our goal is to give you all kind of facets of black America. Those who play golf, uh, folks uh, who are doing community work, what's happening with the Jack Robertson Foundation. So your support matters. So first and foremost, uh, by you downloading our Black Star Network app, by you telling a friend, uh, nearly 2,000 folks watching on YouTube and Facebook right now, imagine if each one of y'all told two people, 
That's right. We can easily add uh, four or six thousand uh, new subs right there. So the Black Star Network app, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, uh, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And when you join our Bring the Funk fan club, again, our goal is to get 20,000 people on an annual basis, contribute $50 each at $4.19 a month, 13 cents a day. I can tell you there's a value. We don't charge a subscription fee uh, because I don't believe uh, that a lot of our people, they can't afford to pay $4.99 a month. Uh, and there are people who have given us a dollar, $5, $10, $20, $25. We appreciate every dollar. If you can afford to give more, that'd be absolutely great. And so please support us uh, The uh, right there. Uh, you want to send a check or money order, go to P.O. Box 57196. Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zelle is Roland at RolandSMartin.com. Folks, thank you so very much. Hope you hope you enjoyed my interview uh, with Spike Lee. Uh, look for the replay uh, with Nicole as well, one of the Jackie Robinson scholars who's now the CEO of Los Angeles Dodgers Foundation. And so look forward to seeing you tomorrow from New York City here at the Jackie Robinson Foundation and the grand opening of the Jackie Robinson Museum 75 years after he broke the Major League uh, Baseball, white Major League Baseball color barrier. They kept black folks out. Jackie was the first, certainly was at the last. Thanks a bunch. See you tomorrow. Holla! Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, everyone. This is Molly and Matt, and we're the hosts of Grown Up Stuff How to Adult, a podcast from Ruby Studio and iHeart Podcasts. It's a show dedicated to helping you figure out the trickiest parts of adulting. Like how to start planning for retirement, creating a healthy skincare routine, understanding when and how much to tip someone, and so much more. Let's learn about all of it and then some. Listen to Grown Up Stuff How to Adult on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Grown Up Stuff. Grown Up Stuff.